You hear about this Bernie Sanders? <laughs> we got some fake prank phone calls for you today. <laughs> we love history. We love comedy. Let's go, everyone. Welcome to Fight the Fate. I'm Mike Bonomo. That's your morning zoo voice. There's Sean Klein's that <laughs> fucked up remark. And Brian Davies. We are back from a little hiatus. I went down to Disney World, Florida, still <laughs> fucked up as usual. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, the old episode we posted, The Queen. <laughs> that is an oldie. We got old, other old unreleased episodes we're going to be putting out there. But today, we are jumping into the Civil War. My mic smells like old spit. <laughs> William Tecumseh. Sherman. Boy. This guy was the best. This guy was the best. You just put on red voice. I, 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 don't, I think was that a stutter? William Tecumseh Sherman. He was a general in the Union Army during the American Civil War. William would become known as a great military strategist, but it wasn't all great. He would be heavily criticized for his use of the scorched earth game plan. You're going to burn, burn, burn. <laughs> and now that's without using actual real fire. It was like one of them Amish stoves. That's what scorched <laughs> earth was. And this is the opposite of the scorched earth the Russians did. The Russians would destroy their own shit. To, I like, like that better. Remember when Belgium <laughs> flooded their own city? Yeah. Um, that's even bigger fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so the goal of Scorched Earth was to destroy anything that may be useful to any enemies. We're talking about weapons, transport vehicles, and industrial installations. Now that sounds like fair play during a war to me, but people start to have a problem when you start burning food supplies, agricultural areas, water sources, and civilians in the area do you know how much hate in your heart and righteous conviction you have to have to burn a water source <laughs> and a person <laughs> well to to get rid of the water sources they would dump like dead animals or dead oh, yeah. dead people in the well it's a uh, anthrax come on it's, guys i think it like breeds dysentery yeah but like that's extra like horrifying yeah to me at least putting dead bodies you're in saying wells. that's not just part of war well for him it was yeah <laughs> But do you like it? No. Why? With one, like it won. I mean, who are we to gender his war? You know what I mean? That's how he wants to war. That's what I mean. But this guy's my hero. His strategy was kind of good, like strategically, because he would push the civilians out of the way and then make them go into the southern lines. And then the southern generals had to be like, all right, well, we have to take the refugees in, otherwise, we look like assholes. Yeah. And then they'd have more people to feed. And the South already had, like, logistic problems. And that's the complaint with Vietnam is, like, they would help people and then, you know, <laughs> quote, unquote, see them in the jungle the next yeah. day. Whether, I, I have some 
Well, it's like Afghanistan. You can't burn their poppy fields because yeah. then they have no money. I, I have some doubts as to whether they actually saw that person, but, <laughs> you know. Are you saying they all look alike? I'm saying they might all look alike <laughs> if they're the enemy. So, William a- was... Please. <laughs> William was really up and down in his life, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just so crazy how he goes, what I just read to you, the scorched earth, for how he actually got there and the improbability of him actually leading an army at the beginning. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, they should. (laughs) Is there a movie? No, it should be, though. All right, so Sherman was born February 8th, 1820 in the north. Lancaster, Ohio, to be exact. The fuck is this? He came from a long <laughs> line of politics. His father was a successful lawyer who sat on the Ohio Supreme Court. <laughs> nah, that's Ohio. I just, Ohio. Ohio. Just, just Ohio. in case you were confused Ohio. about Ohio. about what he meant. To I don't say. know what I'm doing right now. If if you're gonna put on an accent, you got to put the right one on. Oh hi, oh, <laughs> oh hell, um, yeah. Okay, Hideki Tojo. <laughs> His father was successful, but he went back even further. He was related to founding father Roger Sherman. Anyone ever heard of this guy? No. Uh, second string founding father. Like yeah. In case what somebody pulled a hamstring, like he's he would a pop in. Yeah, but he's the only one who signed. All four great state papers. What, would anyone know what those are out there? I've never the heard them called the great state papers. The Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Association, the Articles of Confederation, and the United States Constitution. I think he just bought a new quill and just like <laughs> had to show off. That's like when you're in college, you have someone else sign in for you. Yeah. <laughs> William learned everything he could about his distant relative, and he saw him as a great hero. This helped him through the unexpected passing of his father when he was just nine years old. His widow mother, Mary Sherman, was left with all 11 children and no inheritance. Damn. What do you do when you got too many kids, you got no daddy, you ship them off to the neighbors? (laughs) <laughs> two children go to this neighbor two children go to that neighbor i'll take yeah. <laughs> one you take the other three and that's what happened mary needed that help so william went to live with their lancaster neighbor thomas ewing thomas ewing was a big wig being that he was a prominent member of the wig party in ohio what's the wig party why do they have wigs they're predecessors to the uh, Republican Party. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. This actually, this is at, is the moment where we get the different, the, well, our two party system. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. The the Whigs were modeled after the British Whig Party at this time, but they kind of like had different views. But they were kind of like uh, trying to make themselves sound more important by taking on a British sounding mm-hmm. name, just like every American organization does at some point. <laughs> There's a myth that William's real name was just Tecumseh Sherman until he moved into the Ewing household where Thomas Ewing made him go by William because he's racist. <laughs> Can't have a son called Tecumseh. Well, the, the Shawnee were from like Ohio, so it is possible his, it's not stepfather, but like 
Foster the guy, father. Yeah, foster father. Yeah, yeah. It is possible he may have, like, known people that fought these Indians, or he did it himself, too. No, he didn't fight any fucking <laughs> in- No. Well, he was a lawyer. Thomas so he- <laughs> Ewing did not fight a fucking Indian. There's no way. Okay, so he was a, a lawyer and he was an officer, but he, he stole valor. Yeah. <laughs> As an Indian fighter. <laughs> so he, wait, Tecumseh is a Native American name? Yeah. I thought it was Hebrew. <laughs> is it? The Tecumsehbergs. I might have fucking... No. I guess Wikipedia had it wrong, man. <laughs> yeah, Tecumseh came... This is what people think, that his father had a fancy for the chief of the Shawnees, and he took it from that. I don't know why he's fancying a chief. Is that is it is that what they mean by fancy? Yeah, like he loved him, like he wanted him. Mm. No, I think he just like <laughs> I don't know. I guess I I guess he just. I like, mean, there had to be gay people. Like they didn't no, just disappear for like no. between the Greeks and no, like he now. wasn't gay. And most I people think... had beards, if you know what I mean. <laughs> what the fuck? Do I don't. What do you mean? I think oh, he just when thought you're... it was cool. Appears when you're a homosexual man, but you like marry a woman, and she's like your cover. Oh, I've never heard of this. The, 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 yeah. the DL. Uh, it's the DL in yeah. the African American community. Yeah, I've never heard of this. I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> I think he just thought it was cool that like this guy was a chief. Yeah. Oh, he is. Uh, he's like a folk hero. In anime terms, he's a weeb, but yes. for Native Americans, yes. I don't watch anime. Weebs. <laughs> weebs are the people that have the pillows and the posters and like. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they, they real life kind of wish they were like Naruto. Like real, real life. Oh, they went to Area 51 yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one guy dead already. Are you oh kidding me? Yeah, one guy died. How? He tried to... Too much like, monster energy drinks? He had too much <laughs> He had too much liberal arts confidence and tried to walk past the military. <laughs> they guard. shot him? They shot him. Of course they shot him. <laughs> I didn't I didn't Brown. hear. I knew they went. I didn't well, hear. Well, it's one guy. Back. I'm like, I'm surprised it's not more. They're not, and they well, didn't disperse. It's the Air Force, so they probably fired like 38 shots and hit him once. Yeah. Just lit <laughs> While in a rolling chair. <laughs> yeah. Chair Force. I see wow, you. Wow, man. The recoil is moving my chair, sir. That sucks getting <laughs> shot at Area 51. It's probably his goal. He, he probably blew up on Twitter. He died for the meme. Oh, my God. <laughs> Son of guy shot at Area 51 count. All right. Twitter blowing up. So when, when Sherman was 16 years old, Mr. Ewing secured him a spot as a cadet in the United States Military Academy at West Point. Very He's like, yo, I need an appointment. I'm getting <laughs> you in there, boy. And he went and he got in. He had no problem <laughs> dealing with the academics and actually did really good. But he couldn't stand the demerit system. Never getting into deep shit at school, he still had a lot of minor offenses on his record. Explain the demerit system. I read a little deeper into that, and it said, like, uh, he generally didn't care about, like, dress uniforms, so, like, his stuff, like, his uniform would be, like, disheveled. He dressed like a Tecumseh. Yeah, and he was kind of, like, I just kind of had the attitude I had in the the Marines. Like, I didn't give a shit about the dress uniforms and stuff. I was like, I want to learn how to shoot machine guns. And possibly, you know, use them. Yeah. Well, so I think he had the same mindset. When you say dress uniform, we're not talking about like the 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 camo. No, not that. Like, like, uh, like a suit, like a yeah, like the like the dress blues. You see, with the white hat and the like. You're supposed to just wear them. I thought those were only for like. You're supposed to have them like ready at all the time. 
That's stupid. And when I went to New York, we had to wear them like every day. Yeah, that makes sense. We're like out and about and representing. Okay, that's dumb. You had to sleep in them, I think. (laughs) Those are your pajamas. (laughs) Maybe back in the day. (laughs) You got to sleep on. You have to sleep on a board. Do you have the saber? Yeah, that's fucking dope. (laughs) (laughs) I got my uh, great 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 grandfather's like cavalry sword too. That's fucking. When he was in the Civil War. What have you cut with it? You can't cut shit. They're dull. That's fucked. <laughs> what? What oh, they, they cut the cake points? at like the Marine Corps ball, like the when we have the so birthday you, party for the Marine Corps. They gave you a glorified cake cutter. And it's, Is ex- that what it's you're expensive. Saying? I think they, it was like two hundred something. They gave you a prop sword. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a movie but set sword. We're the only uh, enlisted military members in the world that can carry a sword. Like no other organization lets them do that. I like, mean, the Marines is the only one that does it. You mean a steel rod? Yeah. <laughs> so you could just carry that anywhere. Bitches don't know it's just a steel rod. <laughs> <laughs> they just care about the length. There's a lot of size queens now. Days. Mm. <laughs> All right, so while William was in school, one a fellow cadet, William Rosecrans, described Sherman. He was a bright-eyed fellow. <laughs> <laughs> he was bright-eyed, redhead fellow, who was always prepared with for a lark of any kind. He was one of the brightest and most popular fellows. What kind words from a fellow boy? Another person of freckles, too. (laughs) People, P-O-F, people of freckles. Now, I wanted to ask you about this, because he remained a private for all four years in the academy. Oh, that's like a ceremonial rank. Like, when you're in uh, ROTC, you have, like, a... A rank, but it's not official. So can can you move up while you're in the academy, though? Yeah. So he just fuck. He just stayed. Like, there's probably people that lead the class, and they were like officers. I'm doing quotes. The air <laughs> nobody quotes. can hear. That was air quotes. <laughs> yeah, they're like officers. Like they'll be like lieutenants, and I heard them loud and clear. <laughs> but the, it's they say like he was so good at the academics. I guess they just didn't move him up because of his attitude. Yeah, they just kept him down. I mean, that's not uncommon. Like, there, sometimes in the military, there's really competent people that just get passed over for promotions for whatever reason. Like, mine was my job. Like, the there were so few of us, there wasn't much room to advance. Because yeah. you need a certain amount of people under you to justify being a higher rank. Yeah. William was finally ready for graduation in 1840. That same year, he was stationed with the Army in Florida and got a little taste of the second Seminole War. Didn't we didn't we cover this in something the Seminole War? Was it maybe one of them side stories? We probably did cuz there were there's actually like I think four or five Seminole Wars. They're still having wars. I mean, they're yeah. still around. They just <laughs> warred like yesterday. They, they actually own the Hard Rock. <laughs> I'm dead serious. The, the Seminole tribe owns the Hard Rock casinos. Yeah, I think uh, every tribe has their own casino. Uh, Alaskan natives are pretty interesting. They're all corporations. Like the tribe itself mm. is like a LLC, and a lot of them own like stock in companies like Hard Ve- Rock. Very different, but similar to the structure of the Yakuza. Yeah, where the, <laughs> the Yakuza is basically a gang, but it is they have corporate offices and shit. Yeah, that you could just go. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, Seminole War is so scary. <laughs> like you're imagine you like. Well, imagine being in Florida like you just were in, in like Florida, a cotton suit. Sweating your dick off. <laughs> Mosquitoes, gators, alligator. And you got these <laughs> Native Americans just running with like hatchets. Scalping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's still probably the worst. The Seminoles scared the shit out of like people in Georgia 
Because like George, the Georgia Florida line was kind of like a, a DMZ. They're not white. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well, it, it, it's racial, but the the Seminoles used to take in runaway slaves from Georgia, and then they would like team up with the runaway slaves to raid the old plantations. I like they'd ask that. the slaves, like, "Where where's all his food stored?" and we'll go mm-hmm. take it. Yeah, it's uh, I actually deal with this in like some of my fam, not directly in my lineage, but yeah. within my tribe, um, <laughs> of like. Certain members are like hardcore, and they don't recognize the escaped slaves that like oh yeah, beca- yeah, yeah. became members of the tribes, which is a very common practice. Yeah, the five civilized tribes: the Seminoles, the the Creek. Civilized? That's what they're called in history That's books. That's what they're called, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're doing the white guy hands I'm up sorry right now. <laughs> that your clan wasn't one of these clan. five, but they did stuff uh, that Europeans <laughs> did. What, what are the five clans? I might be. I think uh, Nanticoke are a lesser a lesser Lenape tribe. Yeah, you aren't civilized. No civilization. Yeah, no, they spoke different languages. The Lenape, like, stuck with their own people. Yeah. All right, let's move on. He was only there for a (laughs) second. He wasn't, like, in Florida that long. Um, He he did stay in the South, though, after, after a couple skirmishes. He lived it's in the hospitality. He li- <laughs> he loved it actually. He lived in Georgia and South Carolina. William was the life of the party, and when people found out he was a foster son of a prominent Whig, he moved within the upper circles of the old South society. You one of them there, there Whigs? <laughs> <laughs> he does magic. He, he call- got the powder and everything. <laughs> I mean, he this- does magic. He calls it math. <laughs> I can just imagine <laughs> William like walk like in the movie Django. Yeah, like he was one of like he was a guest of like that dude. We got a on, fancy like, boy the... from Ohio. Yeah, like he, <laughs> he moved so high up like instantly. When then while while he was like yupping it up, the army was down there fighting in the Mexican American War. When some territory was captured in California, he got assigned some administrative shit. So he's I'm gonna shuffle all these papers. We got the Mexican American <laughs> War going on. He's supposed to be in the army. Well, he is, but he's not down there in the action anymore. We gotta do that at some point. <laughs> Admit or some stuff? No, Mexican American War. Yeah. Well, he was the only uh, big general in the Civil War, like famous one that didn't didn't actively participate in this war. He was doing better things. Well, a lot of them had, like, severe PTSD from it. Like, even the Southern generals were kind of, like, screwed up from it. He probably wouldn't even have made it back. Like, if he went, yeah. if, that, if he actually went to that first. You can't burn a mud hut. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, the Mexicans were actually really good snipers during the, that war. It makes sense. I mean, that was probably, like, doesn't 100 make yards, sense. but. How does it not make Why sense? Why the hell does it make sense? Well, they didn't have like a really good formal it makes, army, so it, it makes Mexicans sense. were good snipers. Makes sense, actually. I don't know why that makes sense. It's a positive trait that I ascribe to Hispanic <laughs> people sniping. <laughs> All right, so William and two fellow lieutenants made plans to get out of the out to the west coast after that territory was captured in California. They had to get out there. But the only way to get out there, unless you want to fucking walk your ass across the United States, you have to take a boat around Cape Horn. That's crazy. Where's Cape Horn? Like, that's bottom of South America. Yeah. So you have to go all the way around. That's one of the most dangerous seas in the world, too. Got them killer whales. 
Yeah, this is before the Panama Canal. <laughs> Way before. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like, that's... You, I don't know how, like, people actually made it through. Like, boats get yeah. sunk, like, now. And I got, through I, I got antsy on the 10-hour flight to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, the, this voyage around Cape Horn took 198 days. And they they took the USS Lexington down down there. That must have been nuts to like have to pack the ship with enough food for almost two hundred days. I'm sure they stopped. No, they it, they did stop. Yeah, because like a lot right of it now. would have to spoil. Yeah, you can't have water sitting no. around for that long and shit. Well, yeah. one of the places they stopped in was the location of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil. That's been around for that long. Like no, he fi- he visited the loca- exact location before they ever built the statue. I was about statue. to say, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they figured this out that he went to that same. He had, he had like a diary around this time. <laughs> they just yeah, look, so, they look for scorch marks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little fires. <laughs> William, no, we're it's, not at war with them. <laughs> you give him money, not torch. <laughs> Yeah, at this time, Brazil was, like, a huge ally of the United States. Like, mm. we're both, you know, slave power, so, at the time. Brazil had slaves? Oh, yeah. I don't know. More slaves got transported to Brazil than the United States. What, and then they got hiked up? Yeah, and they were, like, one of the last states in the Western Hemisphere to actually get rid of it. It was, like, know. 1890s. I didn't know that. Yeah. They reached a town called Yerba Buena. Is that how you pronounce that? See. Si. <laughs> Two days before it was named San Francisco. In 48, he went with the governor of California to inspect some gold findings out there. And when he got back, he like he started the California gold rush. Yeah. And like you, with this report. If you look at the uh, Los Angeles name at this time, it's like 48 words long. It's really long. And they just shortened it to Los Angeles at this time. Like, same thing with, like, San oh, Francisco. Oh, Los Angeles was called, like, Los Angeles, Yerba Buena, and like Yeah, and, like, Angeles. they named, like, all the prov- uh, plantation owners and stuff. Or um, I forget the Spanish word for it. But they renamed a lot of places to, like, more uh, easily pronounced for Europeans. Yeah. Now, all this stuff was going down, and he was building his reputation. He had a hunger for life. And was well, he was rewarded with a promotion to captain. He also had a hunger for his foster sister, <laughs> Ellen Boyle Ewing. And the two were married in 1850. See, if they had a better transportation system, they wouldn't be banging their step set, uh, foster He's not sisters. a stepsister. It was that time he spent in Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, dude. I guess that's pr- <laughs> that's what that I song's can- about. In my mind, I'm going to Carolina. <laughs> Stepsister <laughs> pussy. <laughs> so I see it was a code word. <laughs> I, that was probably that was normal around that time. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> All the foster. Children. I feel yeah. I feel like I've seen that movie. Moves in with the stepsister, they become married. Who pays for the wedding? Though? Well, it's ba- oh. it's not as bad because it was a foster sister. I've actually seen this movie quite a few times on Pornhub. <laughs> I know. I always see the same movies on there. I don't know if it's same script. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that like they legally have to say like stepsister in quotes and like say it in the video because they can't show incest in like pornography. Well, no. If you ever watch the ones with twins, they they can't physically touch each other. Oh. During the scene. Really? Yeah, because then it's incest. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. 
Hmm? All right, so <laughs> President Zachary Taylor was at the wedding of these two. I'm going to start a march. I'm going to get that repealed. Who the fuck is Zachary Taylor? <laughs> oh, he was a president. Well, what did he do? Future president. What did I actually he know do? his name for some reason. No, I know his yeah. name, but what What was Zachary? We don't need Well, he's known as like one of the worst presidents. All right, that's he was, enough. He was called a doe face because he was from Massachusetts, but he loved like Southern stuff. Like he liked their politics. I don't like him. I don't like Zachary Taylor. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Most people don't. You're big, are you a big fan of Arthur Chester? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do like Arthur Chester. No, another no-name president. <laughs> oh, this is really random, but uh, Zachary Taylor got a ticket when he was in D.C. when he was president because he ran over a woman when he was on his horse. It wasn't his fault. Pulled, pulled a that, that's what the his like political party was like, oh, she came out of nowhere. She like <laughs> walked into the street, and he didn't see her. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so uh, Ellen and William, they eventually had eight children together. All the children were yeah. reared Catholic. They even moved to South Bend, Indiana, so everyone could be educated at either Notre Dame or St. Mary's College. Now, his one of his daughters um, was Mary, a.k.a. Minnie. She had Ulysses S. Grant in her wedding. Like, they all lived, like, (laughs) the connected lifestyle where, like, presidents were showing up. and Yeah, Grant and uh, Sherman actually knew each... Like, they ran into each other a lot, like, through history. Oh, Mm. Sherman and Grant were, like, best friends. Yeah. They loved each other. (laughs) No, they say, like, they wouldn't have been successful without each other. Yeah. So, only a captain for three years, Sherman decided to give it all up. He had an opportunity... To be a bank manager in San Francisco for Lucas, Turner, and company. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> banks at this time were, like, really he bad. He had a chance yeah. to be a bank manager. <laughs> like, people think the banks were bad, like, around the financial crisis. These banks were, like, ridiculous. Well, it was bad. They literally printed their own notes. Like, you, your money in your local town would be from this bank and also bank robbery was successful at this time <laughs> yeah and sherman talks about like the businessmen because he was he was in i think yeah he was in san fran at this time so the businessmen were like so cutthroat that he couldn't handle it anymore it wasn't business it was business yeah <laughs> the cutthroat <laughs> style <laughs> yeah so he did not like this shit um at least he had the chance to see the golden gate bridge while he was there <laughs> Even if it was lying on the hull of a shipwreck that was floating in the dangerous currents, he actually survived two shipwrecks around this time. He did it for the insurance money. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, survived so many things. I don't know if I believe it all. And he, Well, he was somewhat callous. Like, he was like, I don't, I don't give a fuck if I die. He was kind of like the first YOLO guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that I think that makes you more likely to survive. Yeah, that does. <laughs> Because people that care too much, they freak out, and then the the accident gets worse. Mm -hmm. While he left the army, he served as a major general in the California militia during the vigilante period. Yeah, this is when, like, California was still a wild west, and there was a lot of vigilante-like groups that would enact justice. So, like... Yeah, he stepped in. He's like, I need a little practice. Yeah, and a lot of the sheriffs and stuff were... A lot of areas didn't even have sheriffs set up where they did and they weren't they didn't really care. So people would just like accuse someone of robbery and then they would lynch them. 
Williams Bank position was in trouble. When they were forced to close down multiple locations, he traveled back across the country working at branches that remained open. When the New York location shut down, he tried his hand at a bunch of different shit. He even tried to be a lawyer for a short time. Didn't work out. <laughs> wasn't a good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't a good banker. He wasn't good at anything. Well, he had like poor interpersonal skills. Nobody was good at partying with Southern folk. It's, <laughs> yeah. weird. it's weird. You look at his picture and he seems so charismatic. He's <laughs> not like a gruff killer. No, all pictures were like that. He has that. No, he has. You don't the... smile during a picture back He's then. He's not only you gotta not. You got to stay still. Do you, do you still want to withdraw all of your, your, your balance in your account? Do you? <laughs> Let's just say that's how he was a good bank manager. There's some hidden fees. <laughs> no, like, dude, if you look at his, look him up if you haven't, dude. He looks like he's thinking of murder, like, mm. and not just like mass murder. He's like <sighs> the burning an orphanage. <laughs> in '59, he took a uh, suggestion from one of the guys he fought with in the Seminole War, and he got to become the headmaster at the Louisiana State Seminary of Learning and Military Academy. Leading men came natural to William. He found his calling. This is what, I mean, he got, he got a handout with this job. <laughs> yeah. His boy's like, yo, you want to be headmaster? That was like the benefit of going to West Point because you were kind of connected to like a lot of prominent people then after that. Yeah, like he, he, and then he took that job and ended up loving it. That's the school that actually became LSU. Are they big in college football? Yeah. See, it sounded familiar. Yeah. Yeah, they're big and that's their best sport. Yeah, you can thank Sherman for that. <laughs> thank you, Sherman. Indirectly. It's not, not Gator Sherman gave us football. <laughs> <laughs> now, William saw firsthand what life was like in the South. Classes were clearly divided, whether you were dirty, rich, a farmer, a servant, or a slave, people knew your way of life. He could see why things were the way they were and could even sympathize with slavery in the plantation South. That's the one thing that comes back to William's history is that he sympathized with the slavery. Yeah, and at this time there was like a ton of propaganda for pro-slavery causes. A lot of people were abolitionists. They used to call it the slave power. Yeah. And it was kind of a conspiracy that like these prominent Southerners would gain prominent positions in the federal government and like uh, make federal policy uh, good for Southerners. And that's like what the Republican Party was formed to like fight against. In like the 1850s. The proto-Republican Party. Yeah. <laughs> the line was drawn. The line was drawn. He's in the South. He's a sympathizer with slavery. He likes their way of life. He's still from the North. So when he, he's, ta he's hearing people talking about dissolving the Union, no. Sherman <laughs> will not have any back talk about the union and a crack was running through the country abraham lincoln had just been elected president and the south saw no way of giving up their slaves states began to secede first it was the deep south alabama florida georgia louisiana mississippi south carolina and texas 
Secession. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Some of the border states had like split governments, like pro-secessionist governments would form mm. in uh, like Missouri. And I think that's where Sherman was when all this was going on. He was uh, in Missouri. That was already like where the bleeding Kansas events were going on. Yeah. So it was like extremely what contentious. It? What is it, the bleeding Kansas? Oh, people were literally murdering each other in their beds because... What? Uh, the fed, federal government said, like, territories should vote whether they're free or slave instead of, like, an arbitrary line on the map. And uh, this was in, the, like, the Midwest? Yeah, like, Kansas. Uh, a lot of people from Massachusetts migrated to Kansas to actually vote to become a free state. Like, people up and move just to, like, change that state's uh, designation. That's oh crazy. God, that... So a lot of people from Kansas are actually... So a lot of their ancestors are from uh, Massachusetts. So what was life like like in the Northeast? Were we... Oh, uh... Like during this time when people started seceding? Yeah. Like, did we just, like, want to kill, well, kill them? A quick overview. Like, New York City was had some elements that were pro-Southern because of the textile industry. Like, they were getting the raw cotton and milling it and getting the money from transporting it and selling insurance to slave owners. Yeah. And Philadelphia was kind of the same way as well. And then, like, some other big industrial cities had, like, similar leanings. But uh, generally, the abolitionists tended to live outside the cities. Chester County, where I live in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of abolitionists, but it was, like, a farming area. Yeah. They had no connection to industry and had no connection to the— They didn't need the South's raw materials. So they're, like, just kill them. Yeah, some of it was economic. Like, these people, like, you hear people are going to break off the states— Mm-hmm. So you say, all right, they're traitors. Yeah. So they want to, they're, they're all just traitors. Let's kill them. <laughs> Let's kill them all. And Sherman was not having this shit. He called his brother, John Sherman, who was a senator in Ohio. And he's like, get me back in, bro. Get me <laughs> back in. Because Lincoln was calling for like. Um, I think I'm coming back. Is that is that the line from uh Every movie. What? No, the the John Wick. Oh, like the I, line in the sure. trailer was like, I think I'm coming back. <laughs> um, Are you back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to make a commission. So after South Carolina detached, they wanted the United States Army to get the fuck out of Fort Sumter. President Lincoln refused and instead decided to send supplies. The Confederate States of America fired from ships in the harbor, starting the American Civil War. This was like the first big thing, right? Yeah. The attack on Fort Sumter. Yeah, the Civil War is like a slow buildup, and mm-hmm. then this is like the big initiating incident. It's not the first like battle. The first big battle, it's like a like a siege yeah like i said there was like split state governments in the border states and then like some states were reluctant to secede like virginia actually like flirted with not doing it come on virginia they put the your shit together (laughs) well i think the first capital was like in alabama and then they changed it to richmond because richmond had an industry Mm. like most of the cannons made in the confederacy were in uh richmond's like iron smelting mills so the confederacy like courted them by saying hey we'll make you our capital if you come in and then we can get your industry. Sherman was required to accept receipt of arms surrendered to the state militia by the U.S. arsenal at Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, this is the thing that he said he would not comply for at first. 
Yeah. When they when they what does that really mean though? Well, the uh, state militias are separate from the military, and they answer to the state. Like Abraham Lincoln required, I think, a lot of state militias to give up their arms to federal arsenals, like in Harper's Ferry. Is this like proto National Guard? Yes. Okay. Well, the National Guard is kind of a fusion now, but for the longest time, they were just free citizens that were forced to be in the militia. Like, if we lived in Alabama back in that day, mm. all three of us would be required to be in a state militia. Like, it was like, if you weren't... I'm not doing it. I'm and every, not doing it. If you it. were able-bodied? Yeah. In the South, everybody had to be on slave patrols, which is looking for runaways. Mm. And by state law, you had to be in the militia. And then you also had to be in bucket brigades, which is like volunteer firefighters. Yeah. Every person that could vote had to participate in those things. So that's like... When they're about to give women the vote, a lot of people, a lot of women protested against it because they said, now we can be put in state militia because we have suffrage hmm. or we we'll have to be put in bucket brigades. Yeah. So it, it, in America, the concept was if you can vote, you have to show civic virtue by uh, also serving in those branches. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what that line meant when I, I was like, I don't fucking know. I'll let Sean do it. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't like it. And he would have none of that bullshit. He even said, On no earthly account will I do any act or think any thought hostile to the United States. See? <laughs> good boy, Sherman. Come back to the good side. <laughs> After he was leaving, he traveled directly to D.C. His brother John got him an interview. William met with President Lincoln for the first time. Sherman didn't like the president's naive approach, acting like the South wouldn't take it any further, trying to convey how unprepared the Union truly was. Lincoln still wasn't worried about it. I live with these people. I've eaten their crawdads. I know what they are like, <laughs> Mr. President. And Lincoln wasn't too crazy to be naive like that because the South, like, every decade would say, we're going to fucking leave if you don't do this. In Texas today. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, in 1830, they had like a tariff kerfuffle and like they were like, hey, we're going to leave. And Andrew Jackson was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to deploy the army to South Carolina. I'm going to fuck you up. Mm. And then they stopped. And then they did it again in 1840, 1850. Like. So Abraham Lincoln is like probably just thinking like, oh, they're just throwing a hissy fit again. Well, if he wasn't worried about it, why did he gather 75,000 volunteers to stop any further <laughs> secession? That ain't shit. <laughs> That's a good amount, man. That's a nice little that. That's a nice little skirmish right there. Yeah, well, how good the South shot. They needed way more people. <laughs> and then when Sherman found out he was going to deploy these volunteers, he said, Well, you might as well attempt to put out the flames of a burning house with a squirt gun. That is disrespect <laughs> to the president. Now, as a colonel of the 13th U.S. Infantry Regiment, he took charge over a group of these three-month volunteers. He led his men into the first true battle of the war, the Battle of Bull Run. And that's we all learned about that, right, in school? That's the only yeah. battle I remember learning about was Bull Run, Bull Run, Bull Run. Let's talk about Bull Run. Uh, What's so important about Bull Run? It's it's funny. I I accidentally d discovered the national park. That's like where the battle was, 
because accidentally yeah me and my wife were like driving down the highway oh, and you saw that? no no no. we didn't even see a sign we were driving down the highway and i was like i really gotta piss so like i Go turned off the highway off. exit mm. and then i went into like this industrial park and i was trying to find like a mcdonald's or something to go to the bathroom in and i turned around i saw this sign i'm like oh this way to bull run yeah i was like <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah so let's get into what bull run actually was the north lost because they like you said earlier they were kind of naive and they didn't really deploy veteran troops it was kind of a lot of they called up state militias and the state militias are kind of like the national guard today they don't have as much training as an active duty soldier mm. so and the south had better generals and they they had like real army we had like fucking there guys was a, that worked in like stores and shit yeah there was a stark divide culturally because uh a lot of southerners hunted for their food so they knew how to shoot they still lived like more holy shit this is really sparta versus athens yeah exactly holy shit yeah like the the north lost like two to three guys for every southerner they killed yeah on the battlefield so they didn't know what they were getting into they didn't know that they were about to get their asses beat at bull run <laughs> But this is actually important because, William, to not be able to trust the guys you're fighting with, yeah, that is what sends him in a spiral. Sherman was grazed in the knee, the shoulder, and after the Union suffered the defeat, he questioned whether he ever made the right decision to come back and if these fucking pieces of shit volunteers were good enough for the task at hand. But Lincoln didn't care. Lincoln was still impressed and Adam promoted to Brigadier General of Volunteers. At this point, he outranked his future commander, Ulysses S. Grant. Still getting ranked up. You lose, That's awkward. You lose a <laughs> war, you still get ranked up. That's called failing up. Hell yeah. I think <laughs> Churchill did that. I see it every day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a lot of people, like, that's a big criticism for the government today. Like, a lot of politicians that make bad calls get promoted up. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the Union Army had a lot of struggle with that. The guy who commanded all forces for the Union changed a lot during the war. The first time he ever met Lincoln, he was offered a spot in the War Department, but declined and didn't want that prominent of a position. I'm just a simple man. <laughs> Mama told me when I was young. How do you decline that? You could be in the war department. Well, you could rise above. The word department <laughs> would make me scary. Like, made me scared. That sounds fucking boring as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, but it happened anyway because Lincoln broke his promise. Sherman's a man of action. He doesn't. He wants to light the torch that's going to burn down the barn. <laughs> Sherman was elevated to take over the Department of Cumberland in Louisville, Kentucky. And that's basically the military responsibility of the state. Lincoln forced him to into more that he didn't want to get into. And that is going to have a horrific effect. Now, son, you're going to get over here. You're going to take this here position. Is that Lincoln? Really, I don't know. <laughs> I've, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. Daniel Day-Lewis. Four score and seven. Yeah, that's what it is. Son, you'll take this position. Whether you like it or not, it's your choice whether I use lube or no lube. 
this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I, I love that movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. I forget what it's called. Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. Lincoln. Okay. Uh, Lincoln used to go off on tangents and, like, would just tell stories. And people would be like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? And in that movie, he does that a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're all, like, looking around. Yeah. He, like... <laughs> he used to just, like, spin, like, folksy tales and people would just get distracted. <laughs> Eventually, he would demand the Secretary of State... Simon Cameron, to relieve him of his position, Sherman was declared unfit for duty and traveled back to Ohio to rest up. It was too much. It was too much for him. Sherman could not handle it. It wasn't until later that he admitted that being in command broke him down. He even considered suicide. Suicide's never the answer. I thought of putting myself to the torch. <laughs> <laughs> Live by the torch, die by the, the torch. torch. <laughs> I know. Who would ever think he would actually come back and that be anything after this? After the well, mental breakdown. And he wasn't even... It was just a little battle. Just a little bull run battle. Well, Grant's another good example of this. He, like, broke down and he, everybody accused him of being an alcoholic for the rest of his life. Which he... Kind of was. He really was. <laughs> Some and of he, the best men in history were alcoholic. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> yeah, it was a Winston Churchill of his day. Yeah, Grant had like a breakdown, left the army once or twice, and big, then became like a store clerk at one point. Big responsibility, bigger cup. Yeah, but that, that's like kind of the good commander. They realize like how bad their mistakes could be, mm -hmm. so they they were probably more cautious to make them. William's image was going downhill. There was a paper, the Cincinnati Commercial that described him as insane. Everyone knew it. Everyone <laughs> knew you're having a breakdown. There's no hiding it now. This is before social media, too. Yeah, that was a social media guy. He would have been on Facebook. And this will play in later to his uh, paranoia about newspapermen. Yeah, but that would that would have pissed me off even more to see it in print. It's like, yeah. Do you have to put my personal he business just, out there? He etches the guy's name who wrote the article into his <laughs> arm. <laughs> But he came back. He settled down. His wife was taking care of him. His kids were fostering other kids. There was... I don't know what I just this said. This is before the vacation. He just needed to like relax for <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Find Jesus. Come back. So he was declared fit to return December 61. He went back to Ulysses S. Grant and kind of like worked under him. And their mission was to take Fort Donaldson. You ever seen me with a torch before? <laughs> <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant kind of like took him under his wing. Mm -hmm. um, they did some battles together. There's a lot of battles where it's them just going across the country, battling. A lot of the battles around this time that Grant and uh, Sherman were doing was in like the Western Theater. And like the Eastern Theater, like in Virginia... A lot of that fighting, some of it was like proto-trench warfare. Mm. So it's very slow, a lot of casualties. Out west, it was more of a man maneuver. And th Sherman actually gained a lot of experience here uh, being able to outmaneuver his opponent. Oh, that's going to that's gonna apply into the, yeah. the Atlanta. Yeah, because the, the Western Theater, it was less troops, less resources. So you had to be more self-sufficient. And it was all about positioning. Yeah, after the Union won, uh, after they took Fort Donaldson, he was put under Grant's command. And Grant and Sherman's first true test was the Battle of Shiloh. 
intelligence was coming in that the Confederate General Albert Johnston was moving into Tennessee to meet them. But William didn't believe it because they wouldn't leave the comforts of their own fort, would they? I think this is part of this campaign's the Battle of Pillows, I think. And that was like when the the North first used like African American troops. Do they? Yeah, and the Confederates like bayoneted them after they surrendered. Like the Confederates didn't like treat them like Holy. they should a normal so the, soldier. The Confederates did they allow African Americans to fight for them? Like, did they make them? It's very. That's very controversial. Like in historical circles, there's evidence that some did fight. Some freed African Americans. They fought for the Confederates. Yeah, but. Chinese Americans fought for the Confederacy. They're they the probably biggest, just forced them. The biggest uh, Jewish community in America right now is in Charleston, South Carolina, in this uh, part of the, uh, our timeline. So a lot of Jews actually fought for the Confederacy. Uh, like the Secretary of State for the Confederacy was a Jewish guy. This is insane. And then uh, a lot of Mexican Americans fought for the Confederacy. And then same thing with uh, Native Americans, like uh, Ben Wadey. He was a big cavalry mm -hmm. general for the Confederacy. He was uh, Native American. I don't remember the tribe, though. Um, so a lot of people who hated the United States beforehand chose the Confederates, not because they actually believed in their cause, but because they wanted to fuck over the America, basically. Some of them. Yeah, but bottom line, Sherman got information, but he didn't want to, you know, rouse up these things from his past. So Sherman wrote to his wife, if I take too many precautions, they'll just call me crazy again. <laughs> All the Union leaders were caught off guard, but Sherman led a steady fighting retreat that helped prevent a complete devastation. Having a hell of a day, he was shot in the hand, the shoulder again, and had three horses shot from underneath him. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> he made that up. Yeah, it's possible. There's like, no way he had three horses shot from. Where's he getting these horses? Just taking them from other people? <laughs> yeah, but it, it's totally possible. It's exaggerated, but he also had like a devil may care attitude. Like that's pretty well yeah, documented. That's probably like the part of the lore of of him. Like they yeah. got three horses shot from out underneath of him. You and ever I, had a torch in your hand, boy? <laughs> with that torch in your hand you can hop on three horses you can take a shot in the shoulder and the hand and you can just keep killing those racist motherfuckers <laughs> he's been shot so many times and uh more than 50 cent it's funny that he said Not like yeah they'll think i'm crazy if i take too many precautions uh mcclellan in the eastern theater he was a general he was actually from the uh, pennsylvania he was super cautious and he kept letting the confederates leave after decisive battles if you make your opponent leave the battlefield, you're supposed to chase them with cavalry and harass them the whole time. Mm. And McClellan was super cautious. He didn't want to lose a lot of soldiers. So he would hold back from doing that. He would like half-heartedly do it. And Sherman planned out his campaign so well. like He'd be like, I have to take this hill so I can overlook and take out their artillery positions. Mm. And he would plan it out really well, and he wouldn't move that fast. So a lot of other generals thought he was like either a coward or like being too cautious. Just like McClellan. Yeah. But really, he was actually like being smarter than even McClellan was. McClellan was being too cautious because he was afraid to lose. Sherman was being too cautious because he wanted to win decisively. Later on, he, he used that to great effect. This is where they go on a little run. Sherman was promoted to Major General of the Volunteers after that battle. 
They went to Vicksburg, had a little campaign there. <laughs> Vicksburg. There's so many campaigns at this point. They're running yeah. across uh, this battle. Vicksburg's important because that was like the Stalingrad of the Western Theater for the Civil War. Uh, Vicksburg's in Louisiana, and it's like a, I think it's a port on the Mississippi River. So the the North wanted to blockade the South, and to do that, we had to take over the Mississippi River as well and cut them off from any supply from the outside world. So after Vicksburg, which Grant was promoted because of his victory there, that kind of cemented, like, the Union's going to win. It's just going to be a slow drag. Yeah. Like, we just have to— Wasn't that the war of attrition they said Vicksburg was? It's called the Anaconda Plan, the blockade. So, like, Grant was able to finally start the Anaconda Plan because he took out Vicksburg. It was, like, a very crucial point. Yeah, I briefly looked at that. But um, this is after this Vicksburg campaign. Sherman and Grant were known as the drunkard (laughs) and the lunatic. The drunkard and the lunatic. Just a duo. Now, this is when they go to Chattanooga and... Did you just fucking call me crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Drunkards. Chattanooga. What happened in Chattanooga? (laughs) (laughs) well the north took like uh tennessee had some industry and like eastern tennessee uh the mountainous parts they were like sympathetic to the union cause so the union wanted to take tennessee really bad because it was kind of like they'd they'd get a lot more support if they took that state they'd get the people in eastern tennessee germany taking their old territory back from france uh, yeah yeah you're gonna bolster your ranks you're gonna get more support and then they'd to deprive the uh, Confederacy of another area where they'd get supplies from. Yeah. We're no. talking coal and timber, pretty much. Yeah, and Chattanooga was like a somewhat industrial city, not that big, but... And they're having success right now. Yeah. Oh, we, we clobbered the shit out of them in the West in the beginning of the war, but the Eastern campaign, like, went really badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any soldier close enough to William couldn't speak more highly of him. Sure, there was some bad reviews, but his rise in rank continued. They called him Uncle Billy on the field. (laughs) (laughs) That was his name. And he had another name. I think it was Comp or something. Oh, Chump. Chump. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Chump or Comp? Comp. Oh, okay. It was was Comp. Okay, I I thought it was Chump. But, uh, yeah, his family was calling him uh, Comp. Oh, Comp. (laughs) Now I call him Uncle Billy. Now he was the head of the military division of the Mississippi, head of the Western Theater of War. Grant took over the armies of the entire United States. Wow. It's always helpful when you're drinking, buddy. Gets, uh, yeah, gets all the military promotion. under him. <laughs> now devising a plan to end the war, Sherman wrote to Grant. If you can whip Lee and I can march to the Atlantic, I think... Old Uncle Abe will give us 20 days to leave to see uh, the young folks. The young folks? The young what folks. is that? Is he talking about Hell young yeah. boys? Again? <laughs> Not again. He might be referring to his, his own kids. No, no, but... no, yeah. It's probably his children. Yeah. yeah, they're talking about going to see their children. Yeah, you sickos. I knew I did not have sexual relations (laughs) with with those children. (laughs) Now, the next stop was Atlanta, Georgia. This is where it really picks up. Hell yeah. This is the march. (laughs) This is the, what do they call it? The hell of... Oh, I'm going to make... He he sent a telegram, and he said, I'm going to make Georgia hell. (laughs) Yeah, make Georgia hell. 
And I say that to my girl sometimes. Now, <laughs> think, before all this stuff happened, William Sherman always said, war is a terrible thing. War is a terrible thing. War never changes. No. <laughs> He's going to be the one that makes it more terrible than ever before. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny when people criticize him. He's like, war's always been shit. What the fuck? <laughs> Stop watching the... Uh, the like movies mean, that glorify what it. What the fuck? Hannibal, Hannibal still fucked. Spain is still fucked today. <laughs> from uh, they can't grow shit because he literally salted their soil, so they can't grow fucking crops. Hell yeah! In the southern part of Spain, they have to take Atlanta, Georgia. Sherman's got his eyes set on it. It was the hub of the entire Confederate army, from its railroads that supplied all the fronts to the manufacturing that was done in the city. It would be a huge blow. If it was lost to Sherman's crazy ass. It's also where the South kept most of its broads in Atlanta. <laughs> really? Yeah, most of the broads of the South were located in Atlanta. <laughs> I need to visit. A that. gentleman named Future wrote a song about it. Well, isn't Atlanta like known today for having a lot of guys that are on the DL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that in the, the Dave Chappelle's. Yeah, thing. in the news. <laughs> it was one of the most important cities. Atlanta, right behind Richmond, and I think Washington. They had all the uh, the Coke syrup, Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the documentary I saw, they said like Atlanta was the most defended city besides D.C. and Richmond because the Confederacy like knew how important it was to them. Now he was chasing Johnston across the entire state. Sherman's larger army continually outflanked the Confederates. With those maneuvers. Hell yeah. He had enough men. <laughs> so Johnston Army, Johnston got like a lot of flack for being a coward. Yeah. Because he kept, they started at the top and he's just working his way down, <laughs> down, down. And Sherman has enough troops to fight him head on and yeah. send another group to the sides. Yeah. So every time they're just flanking, flanking, flanking as they're running backwards. And this is going to create a chase all the way to the sea, right? Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Savannah was a big port. And uh, same thing with like Charleston. But I want to get on, I want to get into this next week because this is going to be a path of destruction. <laughs> You know, one of the plot, one of the spots was at Pickett's Mill, and they called that the Hell Hole. So that's what's to come next week. Not only did the Confederates fear that they would lose battles, but they didn't even know the fire that was about to engulf the entire state. And that's part one of William Tecumseh Sherman. Y'all come back now, here. This guy is like <laughs> Forrest Gump with like important <laughs> stuff. He's always there. Before something like important happens. <laughs> oh, quick, real quick. Do we want to do our first sponsor? Yeah. Sherman's torches. Sherman's torches. <laughs> light them up. They'll burn whatever you want them to burn. When you absolutely have to light burn them that up, bar burn down. them down. <laughs> when, you, when you don't have time to deal with the thing behind you, <laughs> burn it. Sherman's torches. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. This was William Sherman. Part one, next week we're going to do the chase, we're going to do death, we're going to do fire, we're going to do murder, we're going to do rape. I won't do rape. I don't think there's yeah. any, there's not much rape in this one, right? 
Not that he participated in yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we, we'll censor ourselves. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> That's Sean Clines. See ya. That's Brian Davies. Night, night. Keep I'm your Mike Bonomo. <laughs> this is Fight the Fate. <laughs> <laughs>